This is the Evolution Exchange podcast, a channel that connects some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Andy. I help connect businesses with the best UX and UI freelance talent. And today I'm your host. Okay, and welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by Raul, who's the art director at Avalanche, Georgia, who's an art director at King, Tatu, who's an art director at Rovio, and Bogdan, who's an art director and realization director at Massive Entertainment. So today, we're going to be discussing the topic uh, called Shooting for the Stars, which is all about strategies to fuel creativity and uniqueness in art direction and art leadership so a really really good topic for us to just uh, discuss today and a fantastic lineup to go through it with so we'll start by doing some introductions first before we dive into our topics so raul please can you introduce yourself yeah absolutely well first of all very pleased to be sharing the board with uh these super talented guys so i'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they have to to say about the topic. Um, my name is Raul. Um, I'm art director at Avalanche Studios. I've been doing video games since the late 90s and I've gone through many, many different studios. Uh, just to name a couple of them, I would say uh, Visa Creations, just because it was a really creative hub in, in Liverpool in UK. And I'm going to mention Rockstar North as well, where I spent a, a fair amount of time here in Sweden. I've gone through Starbreeze, uh, Ubisoft Stockholm as well, and now I'm in Avalanche working in an, an announced IP. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Georgia, please can you give us your introduction? Sure. Um, I'm Georgia, currently uh, the art director of uh, Candy Crush Soda in King. I've uh, been in the gaming industry for a while, about 16 years, I will say. Um, and for the se first seven years of my career, I also work in the comic book industry. Uh, so I have a 2D background as well. Um, fun fact about me, my first game was published in 2004. It was a casual game. It was a kind of uh, adult game of the title of Sex Amulet. that I'm really proud of. <laughs> but I hope it's going to set the mood for this conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, uh, I then worked in Italy for a long time um, for a small company and uh, we were making casual game, mid-core casual game, um, flash game mostly. So I've always been working with mid uh, or casual gaming and then I moved to England and I worked for Mindcandy. I mostly work in my career with the kids game or, um, uh, and mobile and uh, then I moved to King. I finally landed at King seven years ago and I really loved it. So I'm still there. I love it. Uh, I love my team. Uh, I love the different offices because I've worked a little bit here and there. I worked in uh, uh, Malmo, I worked in uh, Bucharest, and then I ended up in Stockholm where I got like more into the candy franchise. And then I ended up being the art director of this amazing project, which is Soda. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Tatu, let's come to you. Please, can you give us your introduction? Yeah. Hi, um, <clears throat> I'm Tatu. I'm a art director at, uh, at Rovio. I've been in the games industry for well give and take 20 years um most of that with mobile games but i've i've been going through everything from uh third person shooters triple a on xbox uh to to rpgs and um and then very casual games uh and that's where i'm at uh, at the moment as well i'm um at the Rovio's espo uh, headquarters uh, working on the puzzle games so focusing mostly on uh, uh, casual games match three um, and games like that um, <clears throat> and throughout the, the kind of 20 years in the industry i've uh, i've been kind of very i feel like i've been very very privileged to be working with absolutely amazing teams um such just as the one that i'm working with uh, now in the puzzle studio so um it's been it's been one hell of a ride i <laughs> hope it will continue still uh for a long time <laughs> fantastic thank you very much and lastly bogdan uh, we'll come to you please can you give us your introduction Absolutely. Hello, everybody. And um, I want to also mention that um, I'm very happy to be into this conversation. Uh, it seems like a very interesting subject and it's a really great initiative for, for you know, meeting new people from uh, the industry. 
Um, I am a Realization Director at Massive. Um, Realization Director is a very Ubisoft-specific uh, role title. Uh, I didn't know what that means when I got hired. I kind of know what it means now. Um, just I managed to track that um, Realization Director comes from Realizator in French, uh, which means director. So basically, I'm a director director. Um, <laughs> Um, but uh, on a more serious note, um, I am basically uh, creative support for uh, for our creative director, and uh, I am in charge with uh, everything that means cinematics, trailers, uh, dialogue scenes, uh, realization scenes uh, for our project. And um, to get a little bit more granular in what am I doing, um, I'm basically. Um, Directing the cinematics, uh, which means that I get to to work with actors on set for for mock-up shoot, and you know get to be involved in the um, the, the narrative process, and 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 um, then to you know storyboard, uh, think about staging, um, yeah, plan like how the cinematic should look like, and after all this like pre-production kind of uh, work is done. Uh, I dive in and I act as a visual effects supervisor. So it's the equivalent of a visual effects supervisor in film. Um, and basically I work with the team in order to deliver those cinematics. So I make sure that they have the, the proper direction and support. And uh, given my background, uh, I do have um, quite some experience in film. So I work with uh, Scanline before with uh, ILM on big titles. And um, I worked as an environment uh, artist, a generalist. And because of that, you know, um, when you're a journalist, you kind of get uh, shots that are assigned to you and you need to cover almost uh, everything except, you know, maybe main characters and, and complex animations for characters. So I know the pipeline very well, which gives me um, a good uh, position here because um, I basically treat my team as an extension of myself. So when I give feedback, I give feedback as if I would have to do this shot and what I would do. And uh, most of the time, this works great. Um, it kind of helps people um, learn and then also give us the result that uh, we are looking for. Sorry, I tend to level. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite all right. Thank you very much. Uh, brilliant. OK, so as you can see, we've got a fantastic lineup for today's topic. So very excited to dig deep into this uh, in this topic. So we're going to go straight into our questions then. So to start us off first, it's going to be Raul. So Raul, please, can you give us the first question of the day? So the first question is going to be a derivative of the of the title of the of the podcasting here, um, and it's going to be what's what are the best way to potentiate creativity and the best strategies to find uniqueness. Uh, so as you can see, it's very close. I'll, I'll I can give a little bit of an intro to the to the question. Like uh, we are very experienced guys, all of all of us uh, going through many different projects. Probably we've seen projects of many sizes, uh, different approaches to them, uh, different uh, necessities to fulfill, uh, internal projects, third parties, different media, different tools to put them together. And uh, working with people is one of those things that is super nice when you can fuel their instincts and their talent and their creativity. And sometimes it's a little bit iffy as well. So I was I was really looking forward to talk to you guys about this. Like, how do you make the most of, of your team's talents? How do you bring out all these things to deliver a project that is both appealing, is also recognizable, and it's, um, it's feasible as well? Okay, fantastic question. So let's dig deep into it then. So Tattoo, let's come to you first. Yeah, I was hoping, hoping I could go first. Um, well, I think uh, nothing kills creativity like blank white page or empty canvas. Uh, so, and I kind of find it, find it funny because like most of us dream about starting something new, but when we're actually facing an empty slate, we freeze. So for, for me, the strategy comes down into uh, getting over that cliff first. So um, when I'm working on my own stuff, I might scribble. I might uh, do something, uh, something just to get get something on the the canvas. And then when I'm working with the with the, my teams, um, it, it's kind of the same but different. Uh, I like to start from uh, 
limitations first. So by setting the limitations of like these are this is the creative boundaries, this is the box we're working inside of. Um, that's that's one of the the things that I've found um, the best way of nurturing the creativeness as well as uh, getting something unique out of it because um, um, without limitations we we tend to go with our existing normal ways of uh, thinking and normal ways of we, we resort to our normal uh, go-to uh, ways of doing things. But when we set limitations, we're forcing ourselves and our teams to uh, think differently and think inside the box and also think uh, unique new ways of uh, expanding the box when it's when it comes to, for example, technical boundaries. I think like for majority of my career, I've been working in very technically limited, uh, technically limited um, uh, platforms like mobile games or early days of console where you had to fake a lot of the things to to get it to the quality level so that became like one of the fuel uh, fuels and sparks for for the teams to try to overcome the technical limitations mm -hmm. interesting uh, Georgia, let's come to you on that, on uh, what Tattoo said and Raoul's question. Yeah, I think it's right in the sense that at least you need to have a really good objective and a clear vision. In the sense that the team needs to know what he has to build. Um, I rather not doing like um, giving goals uh, and having really clear goals. When I work with the team, I, I rather not giving like really vague goals, like we want to be unique because it, it, this is not going to work really well with them. Um, I mean, what I prefer to do is like what kind of feeling we want to give to the player? What is the game about and who we are uh, working for? So what kind of player we want to uh, reach and yeah. um, yeah. how are we going to attract them? What is our demography, demographic? What what kind of people we want to play our game? And that's going to help her a lot already. And that's where you don't have any more the white canvas. Like, mm -hmm. uh, as you were mentioning. Um, on the other side, I ask them to don't get have any limitation, especially in, t in terms of, of tech, because working in the gaming industry, in the mobile gaming industry for a long time, I realized how artists tend to limit them themselves. They say like, oh, we can't reach them because the engine doesn't let us. <laughs> don't think about it now. It's going to be the tech, uh, the tech to stop you, or it's going to be me stopping you. So don't limit yourself. Um, uh, Give yourself less boundaries and then uh, because there are always going to be people to give you more boundaries later. Mm -hmm. So don't cut your, your, your wings at the beginning. Like being just go wild, especially when we talk about visual development, just go wild. And yeah. then we, we're going to narrow down the option on the way. Um, recently we worked, and it's my, my biggest achievement I think as far, on the rework of the art of candy soda. And uh, several times people ask me, but uh, with the art improvement, uh, are we not killing the performance? No, we're not. We're actually improving the performance. <laughs> and this is because like, OK, what we want to have, how we want to, this to look like, and then we're going to work, as that was mentioning, um, um, around it um, mm -hmm. and like fix it <laughs> yeah. and finding the best way to do what we want to do. Yeah. Okay, so before Bogdan, before I come to you, um, just tattoo. Do you want to just jump back in on uh, what George has just said there? Yeah, um, I, I just couldn't agree more with everything that Georgia was saying. Um, and one of the one of the things that I I didn't mention is that uh, usually I always aim to uh, go towards a visual target, and and then it's it's kind of like less limitations in the beginning uh, when we're just working with like maybe the future art lead of the project and we're just like bouncing ideas and it might be like very free form but at the end of that result we do what uh, georgia was saying like we set the visual target for me it's a, a individual screenshot that is is the kind of final statement of this is how the game will look like when we're done and then we start figuring out how, how we can actually make it. Uh, yeah. That's one of the ways I, I uh, keep the artist focused on the, the vision rather than uh, the technical difficulties and limitations. Mm -hmm. Bogdan, let's come to you on that. 
Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with uh, both point of views. Also, um, from my personal experience, um, I usually need to get myself in a certain mood, you know, able to be creative. Uh, you know, while pressure and stress sometimes can be or can act as a booster and force some creative ideas, I think most of the time, uh, in my personal experience at least, I am more creative when I'm in a good mood, um, a mood, you know, that favors a creative thinking process. So. I would say one way to potentiate creativity would be to set yourself in a good mental state because when you're in a good mood, uh, you feel safe, you feel secure, uh, you are more willing to take risks. And I think this is important because uh, creativity is always a little dangerous, you know, in a matter of speech because a new idea, a new approach might result in failure, right? Mm -hmm. Which brings me to the second point, uh, not being afraid to take risks. So don't be afraid, just... Uh, you know, fear of failure, I think, uh, is creativity's biggest barrier, in my opinion. Um, also, when we speak about creativity in our domain, uh, visual effects, art direction, um, I think having a vast visual culture is essential. Uh, myself, uh, aside from the 11 years of being schooled in fine arts and chromatology, history of art and other specialties, I constantly look around uh, to other artists, art, uh, to other domains and industries, you know, I am constantly learning and absorbing information. Um, if it's a new concept or a new art exhibition or a new song or a discovery, uh, when I say new, it's, I refer new to me, of course, and mm. I'm constantly absorbing and enlarging uh, my visual language, culture and perception, you know? So um, it's very, very important because, uh, I mean, creative, uh, like visual uh, arts and, and, and um, art in general, it's a communication medium, right? So you need to have a, a, a base of a language uh, and some some elements of, of to express yourself with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we come back to Raul and just see, you know, what your thoughts are after, you know, hearing that from the other guests, Georgia, did you want to just pick up on something there? Yeah, I was thinking that you said something extremely valuable, which is like putting people in the relaxed environment and create a safety net around them. So if they fail, they are allowed to fail. Um, of course, having a, that small pressure is important because uh, it helps you also in being more proactive. Um, but they, the people need uh, to feel safe. <laughs> uh, so that's... Um, is that kind of environment which you say this idea uh, i like this idea and what if we add also this thing instead of having that kind of um, confrontation and that kind of um contrast so that you can fuel the the creativity mm -hmm. not stopping it absolutely yeah yeah and exactly and and uh, what i believe is that uh, um, you know, basically what I'm trying to do with the people in my team is um, there is no wrong idea, especially in the initial process, right? Like just go and, and take it out uh, there. Even if it's an idea that doesn't pass, um, it's still, you know, we, we took it out of the way, basically. So uh, so now we only have, you know, we narrow the options to what towards what we want, basically. Mm -hmm. George, you're laughing there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's say that they're almost not bad ideas. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they're not too far out. Raul, what's uh, what's your opinions? You know, hearing the thoughts from the other guests there. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. Like um, I think we're navigating very similar similar points. Um, when you guys are talking about, I think that was starting mentioning the, the blank canvas and not to have a blank canvas, have something in there. I think in the end, something that potentiates creativity a lot is to have in proper direction. And there's a lot of components into that. That is your knowledge in your, knowledge of your art, knowledge of your media, knowledge of your, or other references that you have around, knowledge of your tools, of your tools. Um, and, helping the 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 artists funnel that explosion of creativity in some direction it helps a lot if like it's like propelling a rocket or something um in uh, blue skies phase at the very initial stage i i do agree with just leaving the, the floor to the artists to do whatever they want to do i encourage them to to try everything but i i normally just point in one direction let's 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 go let's go and try that um i would say Something that I found that potentiates creativity a lot is uh, shuffling. Not not to be redundant with everything that you guys have been have been mentioning. So I'm, I'm trying to bring in uh, new inputs. Um, 
using tools that you're not familiar with. Sometimes it's an impediment, but some of the times kind of like opens a little bit the, uh, the spectrum of things that you haven't considered yet. Like if you're doing concept art, for instance, trying new software, or trying new brushes from somebody else, it allows you to actually just do something different. Um, I would say, joining or creating relationships in between in between the, the team members is, is also a good way to actually potentiate their creativity, trying to establish some kind of like small communities within your team, depending on how big it is. Um, so they can just bounce ideas with each other. They can correct themselves in a safe environment. I think that's that's very useful as well. Brilliant. And then given given them given them uh, given giving them ownership once you found something that is actually really good. I think that makes your product be owned by many and they care about it in the end um uh, i'm going to finish uh with mentioning uh working towards benchmarks as well uh, i think it's a good way to actually say like whatever you work on this is going to be in your portfolio this is something that you're going to care about mm -hmm. so uh people take that personally and they try their best and it does not matter what your limitations are going to be in the end uh this initial phase is all about trying to shoot for the stars as the title of the of mm. the podcast um technical limitations once you know what you're after it helps a lot, not only your art team, but the technical artists involved in there and everybody that is going to try and optimize the product in the end. There is nothing worse for the technical people that you actually go and say like, make this run better. He, they will come back to you saying like, what is important for you? What is the things that we need to put more budget into? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and just I know we could probably talk about just this question for, for a longer time. Uh, just before we move on to the next question, Tattoo, do you want to just make a final point? Yeah, I wanted to kind of uh, maybe maybe uh, on the 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 wording like we were talking about limitations and well, technical limitations is just like one of the limitations. But usually, one of the places where I start from uh, any kind of a creative project is is uh, the deconstructing the problem at hand. So basically starting from the product positioning point of view, uh, going through like, uh, what is the audience? Audience can be a limitation. Um, and there's like, kind of like other limitations than just technical limitations. Well, it's a really interesting uh, question, Raul, and it's an absolutely great start to uh, what is a already a fantastic topic. So, But we've got lots to go through, so we're going to uh, move it on slightly onto our next question, which is going to come from Georgia. So, Georgia, please, can you give us your question? Oh, I'm going to try to dress up this question. So, uh, <laughs> a little bit to give you a bit of context. Uh, so, I work for a really well-known franchise, a really established franchise. Um, and, of course, uh, reworking it, I found myself in front of uh, uh, putting the people inside a creative environment where a franchise is already established. And uh, the, I found a different approach on this. I found approach of, from people that say like, okay, we are an established franchise, so we are kind of a little bit scared of changing it because we don't want to use lose the user base. And the other side, in, in, instead, this is the one that I prefer. It's like we are an established franchise. We are have more resources, so maybe we can invest more on innovation and in um, uh, in creativity. Uh, so, say this background, uh, what do you think about the creativity innovation uh, while you are working on an already, already established franchise and what are the boundaries? Yeah, really uh, interesting point there. Um, Bogdan, let's come to you on that. Well, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting question and I think, um, you know, franchise aside, uh, I think this is more about boundaries, right? And um, I think you know that a certain amount of constraints are, are are good and they drive creativity and you know they they can act as anchor of of creativity um, and there's like multiple examples in the history of art and, and not only uh, about this and um, I think you know thinking of like this like constraints and and how creativity gets born out of constraints I always. Um, find it very interesting how um, these cultures that are around um, deserted area, right? Like Persian, for example, um, there's nothing around them to inspire them that much. And maybe I'm, I'm wrong about this, but you look at, uh, you know, their architecture and their art and 
they're so rich in in this like you know floral motifs and and um, and you know like super colorful and although they're very constrained in what they see around right and um, as I said I think constraints are are good I think uh, it comes in also into uh, the same um, uh, perspective that Tatu was mentioning that you know not uh, starting with a blank canvas because. You, you need to see the positive side of this one. You, you have already some some base that you can start build on, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, you can uh, the, develop even more, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Raúl, let's uh, come to you on uh, you know a couple of aspects from what you've heard there. Absolutely, um, having something to start with is is both both a blessing and a curse. I would say uh, sometimes you feel super inspired by the thing that you need to work on, and sometimes it's like I have no idea what to make with this subject. I've been unfortunately, unfortunately, I've been working or I've worked in my in my career in, in several third party properties, and I think. Uh, the the servings that you need to to take care of is you need to serve the product owner and you need to serve the public of the product owner so there is this cascade of uh, dependencies that you have in there that is is daunting sometimes uh, sometimes if the product owner is is good enough with you or is open enough with you um you have lots of possibilities to actually just craft something and expand on it so i would say what you need to do in this case is uh, is, is probably keeping uh, the tone correctly, keeping everything that gives value to the franchise, trying to expand in ways that are moving in in novel approaches to what you have in hands. Normally, that is uh, that is uh, very well received by the by the uh, the product owners. Um, it's it's a different it's a difficult one uh, when you have a very uh, I would say demanding. Um, tech process in in the way as well um so yeah uh, sorry uh, there's uh, some memories just coming to to my head about working with the mgm and the bond franchising which they were <laughs> super unhappy with pretty much everything um, yeah i would yeah. say it's difficult but it can be really really driving as well sorry tattoo picking up on the um the sort of end bit of George's question about the the boundaries then of uh, you know working in an established established franchise. What would you consider there to be boundaries, or how would you overcome? Yeah, um, I absolutely love this question, and I, I think it's probably very close to heart, especially for me in Georgia. Um, for me, for for the the Angry Birds uh, reason, um, but um, for for me the the um it's the it's the same thing as with everything like uh with with kind of uh, established franchises it's it's just kind of the immutable aspects of the franchise are just like limitations amongst uh other limitations so i always kind of start from establishing those boundaries like what are the immutable parts of this franchise what are the things that are holy what can we absolutely not touch? Like the, sometimes it's the kind of design of the main characters. Uh, although I've I've been guilty of breaking that uh, with Angry Birds multiple times, coming up with like new ways of imagining even the main characters. But um, and that's that's also kind of one of the things that I. Uh, it it's it's really comes down to how I view uh, franchises. Because uh, I hate franchises that are just stagnated, that just don't change ever. Um, and I think like there's a lot of examples of even evergreen brands like finding ways of uh, re giving a rebirth or revitalizing the the, the franchise. And uh, that's something that I always ask when uh, from my teams is that. When we're dealing with a franchise, just as, uh, such as Angry Birds, for example, I'm always making sure that everybody understands that we don't want to be telling the same exact story that has been told already so many times. But we have to figure out like what is the mark that we want to leave to, to, to this franchise. What is what is the the our story? Like what what is the addition we want to put into this? universe 
that the franchise has become. And yeah. uh, then then that becomes the kind of uh, the source and the spark of the creativity. Yeah. And the yeah. immutable parts are just kind of creating the boundaries and we're having so much fun in the one aspect of the, <laughs> the franchise. Georgia, hearing uh, them aspects are obviously relating closely to Tattoo as well at Angry Birds. Uh, what you know? What's your thoughts hearing those points? Yeah, I seriously can recognize myself from what that was uh, was um, saying, and um, probably because we are in the same, pretty much in the same boat. Um, I think like, yeah, we need to find boundaries, which usually are the most recognizable things. Like for him, he was mentioning characters, maybe for me are, I don't know, the candies or uh, the soda in case of soda. Um, yeah, and the thing is that uh, sometimes uh, um, when it's about creativity, the artists can uh, stop themselves a lot. They limit themselves a lot. Like, okay, am I doing the right thing? Is it like, uh, is it okay for branding doing this? Is it uh, like okay for tech to do this? And they like enter in this kind of, uh, how do you say, stallo? Like they stay, they stay still. And then it's like when you stagnate the product because it's like, okay, what do, what do I do? What can I do? Uh, so I think like trying to make them more relaxed on breaking the rules and then finding the limits uh, on the way, I think is is good. Giving them like just boundaries at the beginning, as Tato was mentioning. I think it's really, really nice thing. But something that I found extremely mm, useful, especially in the, this last project, was uh, having validation tools. Because that's what uh, um, Raul was mentioning. Say like, okay, but uh, when you work with the franchises that are established, uh, you need to the 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 market to be ready for this uh, when you want to change something. And I think we have uh, recently, like, um, especially when you work for this big company, you have a lot of validation tools that you can use. You have uh, IB tests, you have ISO tests, we, you have a lot of uh, opportunities to actually uh, see if your intuition is right. Because on art, most sometimes it's just your intuition besides the research you can do like on uh, previous artists or previous products. But uh, you have to rely a lot on your intuition. And how do you prove your intuition? Unfortunately, now there are a lot of validation tools. I'm really grateful to work for a big company that can have <laughs> the validation tools. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that's that's a really good, good thing. And I totally share what Tato <laughs> was yeah. mentioned before. Yeah, absolutely. Before we move on to our third question, then um, let's just lastly hear from Raul and then we will uh, change direction quite, uh, slightly. Raul, you are just on mute there. Sorry, I did it. That's I okay. Don't I knew I, I would do it. I just wanted to mention, like, based based on the experience with movie times, uh, there are products that they, they don't translate well, transmedia. Um, products that belong in certain type of media and when you move them to something else uh, even though all the art direction perhaps could be clear in, in their aspect and the visual identity they are not having the same feeling for the public when when you move them to i don't know whatever whatever it is that, that the new this this new media would be so um that's also difficult because it's all about the feeling that you're getting out of the product you need to maintain the feeling correct and the way that you interact with that product is completely changed so um that poses a challenge and part of the challenge is the is the visuals of it so how can you make it expressive when they're super expressive in a movie and then you're just playing with them how can you make them interact or having that complicity with the player when they are you're actually just looking at the back of the character all the time just moving across uh, across places or you're just looking through the eyes of the character so those those things can can really be um potentially very difficult and sometimes the product owner of the of the franchise they do not understand this because they are focused on the media that they come yeah. from yeah go on tattoo i'll uh, i'll let you jump in very quickly before we move on yeah i just want to give an example of uh, exactly what raul was saying um and just think about angry birds like um the the characters were really not uh, ready for movie screen as they were so like uh, in that franchise it's been it's been reimagined so many times and the the ball shaped uh, characters from the classic games they were given limbs 
and legs for the movies because we need a different level of exp- uh, expressiveness um, and also like then those characters the movie style birds they open up totally new doors for us uh, in different games so uh, uh, and it actually has become like one of my favorite things about the franchise the kind of uh, modability and how little there is those immutable totally immutable totally unchangeable and totally holy things <laughs> there's a lot of things that can be changed if you're just kind of uh, your team is brave enough to yeah. suggest it yeah no it's really interesting we're going to move on slightly uh onto the next question but it's uh, going to come from bogdan because it sort of relates to uh you know what georgia was saying in terms of like the limitations and the boundaries um so bogdan please can you give us your question yeah, so quite simple. What do you guys think is the connection between innovation and creativity? And uh, give us a little bit of uh, context behind that. So what what made you think, you know, I, I particularly want to find this out or find some answers to this question? Yeah, for me, it's uh, because maybe I can start with my answer on this one. Uh, because, yeah. Because... Um, um, I, I find that, you know, I can be creative, but not necessarily innovate. Um, and um, um, what I believe is, is that, um, you know, um, as I said, you know, you, you can you can create a custom concept or shot or design and you must be creative in a certain degree uh, to successfully deliver that. Um, you need a certain level of uniqueness, uh, although um, your approach and the elements you'll put together will be based on research they will uh, and should expose your own point of view however you are not necessarily inventing a new format or doing uh, of doing that you know um unless you expose an idea that it's literally going to change the the world you are just being creative and and that's okay um but how do you innovate and my personal opinion, I think probably, because uh, I, I never ca- came with an idea that changed the world uh, by far, but I believe that um, uh, innovation, on, on the other hand, uh, cannot exist without creativity, right? And uh, creativity is probably the starting point uh, of any innovation. So in order to innovate, I believe you probably need to accumulate a large base of knowledge and combine that with using your imagination so that you obtain a unique outcome. But I would like to, to hear your opinion, like, how do you think is this related and how can you move to, to this, like, actually innovation through creativity? Mm-hmm. Georgia, let's hear from you on that. I have the feeling that uh, innovation and creativity are, like, uh, really close to each other. Um, I will define them like the way to approach uh, a problem from a different angle, um, the ability of doing this usually are need and creativity that bring us to innovation. So you have a need or you have, uh, and they have a creative process and then brings you to an, uh, something new. Um, oh my God, this is an amazing question. It's like, I can take hours to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think like creativity for me is the ability to read the world around us and then make use of the learning of this. Mm-hmm. And I usually divide uh, different stage on the creative process. I think the part is the absorbing, part is the elaborating, and part is producing. Mm-hmm. So absorbing is the you were mentioning it before. Board down. You go out, you read a book, you watch a movie, and you learn something. You just absorb information. You became like a an empty screen that just an empty leaf that is just absorbing things and uh, it's getting information and then there is the capacity of elaborate this kind of things um, I find it really uh, unhealthy the artists that are um, continuously producing um, I think uh, um, you need the time to give rest to your brain mm-hmm. so that the brain can elaborate the information that is received uh, and that uh, could be done in several ways yeah. And then, of course, there is time to produce it, to put this on paper. So mm-hmm. in paper, on sculpting or in whatever kind of formal art. So usually the needs bring us to do this kind of process. 
we need something. We need to solve a problem. And uh, for example, and then we decide to approach the problem in a creative way. So for example, I give you an example, like uh, you want a, a, a faster horse and uh, um, you can go for two routes or training the horse or building a car. <laughs> so, and this is a little bit the difference between uh, being only creative, but or being creative and innovative at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's uh, pretty much my. I love that example. When you said horse, I was thinking, where where is this gonna go? I had no <laughs> idea. When you said car, I was like, all right, I got it. <laughs> it's a great analogy for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love that. Uh, Raul, let's come to you uh, and your opinions on this then. I, I saw that coming from the 4T <laughs> creation. Yeah, it, it's You're well ahead of me then. For, no, but it's it's because I um, I gave a I gave a little bit uh, of a chat in, in Ubisoft Stockholm in which I, I was just tackling these subjects and one of my quotes was exactly that like for me there is no different or there's a minimal different difference in between creativity and innovation I totally agree with you Georgia uh, if you're innovating you are innovating because you are creative and when you are being creative you're innovating. If we, however, understand that by creation, it could be like any artistic craft realization, then then probably we could discuss more. But in my head, uh, you are creative and you when you are creative and you're innovating, uh, that's that's at least my my understanding. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would say. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's no difference in between them both. Uh, they, they can be like part of part of what we've uh, talked of uh, of the record is uh, like if this can be trained perhaps or what what the barriers could be in there. And I think I think we could expand more on that if if you guys want to. Yeah, you actually just read my mind then, Raul, because I was just going to come to Tattoo and say uh, Bogdan had also written down two others, like sort of sub questions to that is can creativity be trained and what are the biggest barriers to creativity? Um, so before we move on to the last question, because this is a really like interesting point of view on this, um, uh, Tattoo, can you just sort of expand on the, you know, the question, what's the connection between the two and do you think creativity can be trained? Yeah. Um... <clears throat> I think um, oh, um, I think um, innovation and creativity are very much linked, um, and um, the because like, creativity for me it's a lot about putting existing things together in a new and innovative fashion, uh, which is pretty much the definition of uh, in uh, innovation. Um, I also find that. Innovation as a word is one of the most misunderstood word uh, in the industry, and I've talked times and times again about like the differences about invention and innovation, and how uh, those are not necessarily uh, at all related. Uh, usually, you need some innovation to make invention, but those don't uh, necessarily need each other. Not at least as much as uh, creativity is needed in the process of uh, making in, uh, innovative things. Um, and to the point of like, can that be trained? Um, I would say that definitely. Um, um, the one way of uh, pushing people to be more innovative uh, again this goes to the the kind of constraints and realizing the constraints uh, but just like georgia was saying that uh, that uh, uh, usually you have a problem and then you devise a solution so sometimes when when you don't have obvious problems uh, as an art director you might want to create some problems uh, kind of force your team to only use two colors or force all characters to be uh, shapes of um, like basic uh, geometric shapes uh, your your squares your triangles your uh, circles um, and this is kind of like what i do when i'm trying to kind of train myself on becoming more creative or be, being more innovative is that I come up with these uh, limitations and constraints so that I, I do practice uh, with some kind of limitations 
always. When I'm practicing anything, I always set some kind of limitations for myself. Otherwise, I will be just drawing my favorite subjects with my favorite tools, with my favorite ways of doing it. But to push myself out of that comfort zone, I need to set those boundaries. Uh, sometimes, like the most classic, uh, I, I think everybody who's classically trained in any kind of visual arts have done uh, croc. Uh, croquis uh, drawings like you have 10 seconds per pose or 30 seconds per pose or one minute per pose like time can be one of those restrictions mm -hmm. uh, but also what I personally uh, like the most is kind of working with limited palettes that's usually the best way of forcing myself of not uh, like and excluding some kind of color that I always use like don't use blue and then you have to figure out how the sky is looking like when you can't use uh, yeah. blue as a core. So it comes down to those constraints and limitations to me. That, that's a really interesting point because when uh, I asked that question, I was thinking in my head, surely not. You can't train creativity. I was just thinking, uh, no, because you're either creative or you're not creative. But as soon as you said, uh, you know, about the limitations and thinking like, I was thinking, yeah, it probably does force you to become more creative. So that's a really interesting point. Um, so we've got one more question to go through. I'm going to come to Raul just based on what Tattoo said there. And then we'll hear from Bogdan uh, lastly before we move on to the last question, um, because I'm just cautious of time. So Raul, uh, what did you just pick up on there from uh, uh, Tattoo? Just uh, you're on mute again there. <laughs> ah, again, sorry. Very briefly, um, I think you can train creativity to an extent. I don't think you can make somebody that lacks the talent to be as creative as somebody that has that talent. And this is mm -hmm. something that happens. You, you find individuals like this. So uh, there is craftsmanship, just learning the tools and learning the strategies around stuff. And there is there is raw talent, people that have that, that intuition. Um, yeah. so, so to that question, I would say, half I will meet you halfway there <laughs> yeah absolutely uh okay Bogdan so hearing that then uh especially picking up on them last points what is your you know feedback from that yeah so I want to go back to both of uh, your points which is like a training creativity and um uh, it's funny because uh, a lot of people they they believe that creativity cannot be trained and uh, you know that people usually tend to believe that creativity is something only um, people with a particular talent have, but I think this is false. I mean, uh, if if you read like um, studies, you'll see that there is no such a thing as a single gene of creativity. So, and and there's so many examples uh, in the history of art, and one that comes into my mind is Cezanne, who's you know like he he trained himself in, in drawing people, and he was terrible at drawing like human uh, figurines, but he he's one of the the, the most famous uh, impressionist artist, right? So I, I do believe that it can be trained. I think it, it probably needs more or less energy uh, depending on the person, uh, but I think it's something, uh, you know, with, with a lot of effort and um, being cons uh, consistent and, and, and pushing for it, I think you can uh, achieve to be like more creative than you were initially. Interesting, okay. Um, all right, well, let's move it on to our last question of the, the day then. So that's going to come from Tattoo. So Tattoo, please, can you give us your question? Yes. Uh, so um, in regards of feeling creativeness and shooting uh, for stars, what kind of toolkit of strategies and tactics or processes, for that matter, do you use with your teams? And have those changed? in any way due to the pandemic mm -hmm. and maybe if you have to uh, pick one part from that question maybe the latter part is even more important than the first one so how has the pandemic changed uh, mm -hmm. your view on that okay and maybe maybe if i continue a little bit with the, the kind of background uh, for that question is that i i really see that the pandemic has changed so much of how we work um some of the things are really the same but then there's a lot of things especially on the communication side that have totally changed uh we 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 have a lot of teams that are working fully remotely uh i think all of us are probably working uh remotely or uh, some kind of a hybrid model at the moment so 
um, for for me that it has kind of made me be more diligent on, for example, documentation and making sure that all the necessary information is always available for everybody, even if they don't have anybody next to them to ask from. So mm-hmm. having your Confluence pages or whatever you're using for documentation up to date all the time has kind of uh, become more important during the pandemic for me. But also kind of then the the when there's the information that is uh, 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 critical, but then there's the the information that is timely, mm-hmm. and then there's the storytelling that uh, you need to kind of tell your teams and get them excited about the visions and missions of your company and your projects and so far. So, for example, uh, one of the approaches that I've uh, taken on that is that I started doing blog posts bi-weekly, uh, kind of totally getting out of my comfort zone and really uh, starting to write a lot more than I did uh, before pandemic. So uh, with that note. Yeah, it, it is an interesting one because we've actually done quite a few podcasts before. Um, you might see one on the channel, which is like uh, working from home, how to get the best out of the team, like working remotely and things like that. So it's one that you always think about, like the culture whilst the, there's people working remotely. But you, I'd never really thought about it before, like the creative side of it, like are people in the toolkit, like that like you were mentioning, are people less creative if they're working remotely or and how has the pandemic affected that? So I'm interested to hear about that. So Georgia, um, come, come, for, come to you on that. Mm. <laughs> when uh, you did the question for me, it's a little bit hard to point out how the way my team worked from mm-hmm. during the pandemic, because we changed so much in the last two years. We changed like, the, the, the pipeline, we changed the, the art, of course, and then the pipeline. We changed pretty much a lot of things in the last year, the, the structure of the team, the way we work. And uh, so I, for me, it's hard to, po- to point uh, what mm-hmm. did change and um, if they got less or more creative than before. I find them extremely creative, but I don't know if it's due you know what is the effect of the pandemic because we made so many changes in the game in this transition period that um it will be really hard to pinpoint it but ah, okay, i would yeah. say yeah i would say that the the toolkit that we add it helps a, helps a lot mm-hmm. there are a lot of tools that i've been asked before the pandemic that to me are really good because are really visual like trello like uh, monday like miro and um, all these tools i always been asking for it because it's uh, and also i have to consider that part of my team is not in stockholm uh, so I always been asking for this kind of tool of uh, alignment tool. And now that there's been the pandemic and now these are uh, of common use, I feel like kind of uh, relieved in the sense like, okay, now they are there and uh, everybody used them. So I feel pretty, pretty good at it. I noticed that some of the artists, they tend to be isolated in the sense that you need to bring them in at some point. So be careful that they are not uh, getting totally isolated. So before the pandemic, usually I was going like uh, desk by desk, just passing by, just a sanity check. Like, how, how guys are you feeling? Are you okay? There's not mostly to do review and stuff because then you have your own review and situation like this but just to check the temperature and of course now i can't uh, call them one by one every day <laughs> but maybe i can uh, pop into their stand-up and see how, what they are talking about and uh, see if they're relaxed if they're worried if they're they're tired if they are they have lack of inspiration uh, maybe you can share more movies uh, information about movies we have like more gathering um, online gathering uh, we share more information. We have, we have more uh, I don't know uh, inspirational talks, maybe uh, all these kind of things that maybe can keep them going out of the shell, so they can like mm-hmm. I have to say the king has been really good always of keeping this creative flow and um, giving us the chance to do it with the artists, so participating to events or. But I see that now they need much more, like this sense of uh, feeling together because I I think. Uh, you mentioned it, Raul, this thing that they need to work together in a sense that the collective, the collective thinking is much better than the singular thinking. Like putting like things together and adding on the top is vitally important for creativity. Like adding on is vitally important and they may be hard when you don't see each other every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, very interesting. Uh, Bogdan, let's come to you. 
Well, this is a tough one. Um, but I can tell you a funny story of how, how pandemic affect my creativity. And um, as a director, I'm, you know, more, more than half of my schedule is, uh, you know, going into meetings or being in feedback reviews or, or dailies or so on. And uh, since creativity started, uh, we switched to teams, uh, which is amazing because while I'm in this sometimes one, two hours long meetings, I can actually be on my tablet and uh, work on my concepts. So actually, since the pandemic started, uh, I, I doubled the number of concepts that I that I've produced, which is which is pretty cool. Um, I do agree with um, uh, with Georgia that. Um, we need to be careful uh, with our teams not to get too isolated. And um, for that, you know, sometimes uh, when we work with concept artists, I would uh, um, I would do this like small exercises. Like for example, um, we will have a subject or a certain concept to do, and I'll say, you know what? Let's take you know 20 minutes per day and do a research. And let's say we're working on a concept that involves nebulas and space and so on. I said, you know, just like go online and, and, and gather as much um, references as you can from, from everywhere. So we ended up, you know, like being super creative in terms that people would go and, and find this like amazing uh, underwater images that, uh, you know, adjusted in a certain way would give uh, this impression of, of space and nebulas and it was, it was absolutely unbelievable. And um, then we meet again and share and discuss and you know discuss the potential of you know using this kind of reference for for this kind of uh, task and, and um, subject. So it, it was quite cool. Um, but also I think that um, pandemic is is um, one of those limitations we we already talked about. And um, um, you know again going back to history, um, a lot of uh, uh, you know art and, and uh, a lot of um, ideas, they, they were born during, you know, the pandemic. So I think uh, Shakespeare wrote King Lear in quarantine, right? If I'm not mistaken. And then uh, Newton came up with like some famous theory like during quarantine as well. And uh, I know from, from uh, Romanian history that, you know, our most um, uh, famous and, and our biggest uh, uh, authors, like literature authors, they, they uh, appear during communism, where there was like the most limitations. So, um, yeah. That's a, a really interesting point, actually, uh, in terms of like, hopefully then that means we're going to get something amazing happen <laughs> in the next <laughs> the next couple of months uh, to take us out of all the, the misery that is the pandemic. Uh, Raul, let's come to you before we uh, head back to Tattoo and uh, finish up. Um, when it comes to creativity and the teams, I think there is a component lost that is the presence and availability for the team with the team and for you with the team. Um, I think that's that's important, especially for certain individuals. There are other individuals that uh, uh, the pandemic, for instance, has been like a like a major game changer in terms of like they have more, much more flexibility to actually just manage their times in different ways or manage their space, you know, to get more inspiration, being able to draw in a tablet somewhere. Um, I totally agree with Bogdan about I actually enjoy uh, the virtual meetings because I can multitask. I can definitely be in a meeting and be doing my sketches or modeling something in there. Um, I, I found that boards like Miro, for instance, that we were mentioning here, or Mural, or anything that is collaborative in there, that we've been forced to jump onto the, that bank wagon, I could not live without them anymore. Like, I need them every day, every every year from now on. And I, I, I find that it's very important as well to have access to all your tool set when you're just talking to your team online, uh, that you can just jump into SetBrush and show them something or go into the editor and, and do some changes here and there. So that level of interaction you don't have when you're in a meeting room because you need to connect with this tele, by this profile or whatever it is, the software is not available, you need to connect remotely with some other PC and that, that is sometimes a nuisance. I remember days <clears throat> of meetings in which you might get more clarity if you're lucky, but you've done absolutely nothing. Um, but it is true that some some of the artists uh, they they need to be there with other people and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I I I'm split as well on this one. I I think the pandemic has changed the way that we do things forever in a way, mm. um, and I think some changes are really good. 
I, I have to say. Um, and if the studios are intelligent are around how they do these things, not everybody needs to be in, this, in just the one studio. The studios could distribute into smaller hubs, even <clears throat> within a certain range from the same city. Like rather than having like a like a main studio somewhere, you could have a smaller ones where people that live in the outskirts, perhaps they could come in there and still meet with other people in the studio and connect remotely with other hubs. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a way of being clever about uh, the new discoveries that we've just found with all this stuff and also trying to be sympathetic with those ones that really need a different setup. It's interesting that um, both yourself there, Raul and Bogdan, you both picked up on two points that were more positives, you know, like relating to the pandemic, because we so often hear the word COVID and pandemic and you're just waiting for some sort of negative comment. But Raul saying, you know, a lot of amazing things have happened in the, the pandemic and then Raul you've just said there we uh, you know we concentrate on the bad stuff but a lot of good stuff come out of it as well actually um, you know the connections and stuff there so that's that is a very interesting point before we go to tattoo then Bogdan do you want to just say one final thing yeah on, on this note is um, so again uh, it is a, one of the positive things like uh, as I said you know the fact that I gain more time during uh, teams meetings and I need to to note that uh, even now when uh, most of the people are back into the office um, although there was like a huge boost of energy and I'm, I'm in the office uh, I was the first one to sign up to come back to the office because I'm a social person and I, I like to you know, even if I talk with the cleaning lady in the morning, for me, it's it's uh, it's enough uh, rather than uh, sitting alone. But um, you know, I felt this like boost of energy of everybody being here, and and when everybody returned. Um, but uh, we still, funny enough, do our meetings um, from our desk uh, through Teams. So um, some people they go in physically in a meeting room, but uh, most of the people actually prefer to, to be on Teams and, and do other stuff uh, in the meantime, like concepting or looking at references or solving other uh, problems and tasks. So mm -hmm. I think this is interesting. Go on, George, I'll let you sneak in uh, a minute. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to be super, super quick. Um... I noticed that because you were talking about positive things and it's true I noticed that people that before were struggling with organizing themselves mm. as they get forced to do it because of the pandemic they became master of it they're really good at doing it and they're able to help other people to organize themselves maybe because they are struggling then they make more effort and they use more the tools mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think that was actually is a really really positive um, positive uh, outcome of the the pandemic yeah, it's a good it's a good way to look at it really as opposed to all the negatives it's a good to sort of flip it to the other side and think of the positives tattoo let's come back to you then uh you know close close the podcast off with uh what your you know your thoughts on what's been said there since it was your question yeah there was a lot of a lot of great points and <clears throat> i think like on on general level i i feel that for most artists it's been more positives than negatives uh, especially on the kind of short run um, in on long run, there is definitely something miss, missing, like the social aspects and 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 feeling of uh, belonging and uh, the purpose of life. Um, we're not kind of meant to be isolated in our uh, square-shaped rooms at our homes. So there's that big thing missing. But for, for when it comes purely to individual contributors and their levels of contribution this is what i've been hearing from most of my teams is that they've been actually enjoying not having uh, constant interruptions uh, of uh, somebody coming to their desk or somebody uh, shouting at the other end of the office so there's a lot of positives about the whole pandemic as well mm -hmm. and um, i also agree with uh, everybody on the, on the how amazing some of the tools are that we're now adapting and we're we've been kind of taking huge leaps in in the ways of working um there is still some things that i feel that are better done at the office space like when you really need to brainstorm or do something that you've never done before uh, where you really need to get kind of help from your colleagues and uh, be very much kind of interacting with them. But w when it comes to kind of uh, being productive, uh, I think uh, many people from my team would 
uh, sign it that it's it's much easier to be productive at home. Yeah. And there's one one kind of a disclaimer there is that for everybody it's totally different. It's different if you're living alone and you have absolutely nobody disturbing you at home. It's different if you have three kids like I do. Um, it's different uh, in many ways. So, so kind of like for for the people who are living alone, it can be super stressful how isolated they are, and they're they're really missing the human connection. Whereas for for people with families, they have a lot of social life uh, throughout their lives, and it can actually be better that they're using more of their time with their families. So. Mm-hmm. There's always kind of like we have to always think about it that not everybody is feeling the same way we are and we have to really empathize with our colleagues and try to think about different circumstances that they might have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. Um, That was the last question. Very uh, interesting question. Um, Some really good points there. So we'll uh, we'll conclude it there for today. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to Georgia, Raul, Bogdan and Tatu for joining us on the podcast today. Very insightful um, aspects there to a very good topic. Um, So if you would like to join us on the next Evolution Exchange podcast, please feel free to reach out to me. But until then, we'll see you next time.